0: My name is Nate, and I'm part of the team at C-SPAN that brings you live coverage of Congress and the day's top political events, Unfiltered. As a nonprofit organization that receives no government funding, we're asking for your help to support C-SPAN's daily operations. Please visit cspanorg slash donate to learn more and consider making a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation. That's cspanorg slash donate.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
0: This week, C-SPAN was on the road with presidential candidates and their surrogates as they shook hands and took their messages to Iowa, New Hampshire, and the nation's airwaves. We'll hear Republican Donald Trump's message to voters in Iowa. See his rival Ron DeSantis, also in Iowa, along with Governor Kim Reynolds, who endorsed him. Hear from House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who spoke to New Hampshire Democrats. And in Nebraska, we caught up with author and activist Cornel West, who's running as an independent, Also highlights from this year's Lesser Known Candidates Forum at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics. First, a conversation with Des Moines Register State House and political reporter Katie Aiken. She told us about the state of the race for the Republican presidential nomination in Iowa, which holds its caucuses in less than six weeks.
2: Well, in Iowa, we are still seeing former President Donald Trump uh, leading the polls by a significant margin. In our most recent Iowa poll, He was at 43 percent among likely Republican caucus goers. That's 27 percentage points above where Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are. Uh, They were both polling at about 16 percent. So he maintains this very significant lead in Iowa. He's still very popular in Iowa. Um, And it remains to be seen if anyone's going to be able to either close that gap a little bit or somehow manage to, to pull out a first-place upset win at the January 15th caucus.
3: The former president was in Iowa last weekend. Describe the rally that he had and his strategy in Iowa.
2: Sure. So uh, former President Trump had two stops in Iowa last weekend. Uh, The first was a much smaller stop than he usually does. It was just at a bar uh, outside of the Des Moines metro. Um, And at that stop, he really was encouraging iowans to get out on caucus night to make it to their precinct caucus and to support him there you know he has some incredible support in the polls but if iowans start taking for granted that he is going to win the caucus he might not have enough people actually show up at caucus night. so what we saw at that first smaller stop is a real focus on um, teaching people how to caucus they had some instructional videos and then uh, Donald Trump himself telling people that they need to go out, they need to bring their friends, um, and that they need to support him on caucus night. And then he had a larger rally uh, in the in the afternoon where he, um, you know, slammed Joe Biden, um, criticized his opponents. That was a more standard Donald Trump there.
3: Ron DeSantis, the Ron- governor of Florida, also in Iowa last weekend. It was a significant. Event for him, describe what it was and why it's important in Iowa, if it is still important in Iowa.
2: Absolutely. So, Ron DeSantis has really committed to sort of a traditional Iowa caucus approach, and he uh, committed to visiting all of Iowa's 99 counties. He just visited that 99th county last weekend. Um, He has also had the endorsement of Iowa Governor uh, Kim Reynolds. And so, I think what we're going to see in this caucus cycle is whether that boots on the ground strategy is able to pry some voters away from Trump. You know, Trump has not been here as often. His events are much larger. He's not going to some of the same small towns that Ron DeSantis has visited. So the DeSantis campaign is betting on this idea that if they just get out there and try to shake as many hands as possible, they're going to be able to generate some significant support on caucus night.
3: It's called the full Grassley. Why is it called that And does that matter to the Iowa
2: voters? Yeah so it's called the Full Grassley because um, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley who's been a senator for many, many years, uh, he every single year tries to visit all 99 of Iowa's uh, of Iowa's counties. Um, and Iowans will tell you they have uh, an expectation that they want to meet politicians they want to meet candidates. Um, because we are first in the nation. I think Iowans are very used to having a chance to, you know, shake the hands of the person that they're going to be caucusing for. But the big difference is that Donald Trump is so well known. He has been such an influential figure in the party for many years. I've talked to some Iowans who say they already know what he's about. They feel like they know him, even if they haven't seen him in person yet. So I think that this cycle is really a test of, how that traditional method of in-person campaigning compares to someone who has incredible influence and, and who is already very well known and for the most part, pretty well liked among us.
3: Speaking of influence, you mentioned the endorsement of the governor there. Will that have an impact on Ron DeSantis's chances in Iowa?
2: Yeah, we will have to wait and see, to be honest. Um, It's not common for an Iowa governor to endorse in the caucuses. Generally, um, Iowa politicians try to stay out of the caucus process. They try to stay neutral. Um, But Governor Reynolds endorsed Ron DeSantis, and she said she doesn't think that Trump will be able to win in 2024, and and she um, supports what Ron DeSantis has been campaigning on. You know, they've had similar similar goals as governors of Iowa and Florida. They've done many similar pieces of legislation. Um, So this is sort of unprecedented for us in Iowa. I mean, we don't know how many Republican caucus goers are going to change their mind because of Governor Reynolds, but we do know that she's very, very popular here. And in fact, she's more popular when it comes to favorability polling. She is more popular than Donald Trump is. So uh, it's, it's an experiment. We'll find out in January.
3: There's also been another uh, influential person in Iowa making an endorsement, and that is Bob Vanderplatz. Explain who he is and why it matters.
2: Yeah. So, Bob Vanderplatz, he's the president and CEO of the Family Leader. That's a very influential uh, evangelical group here in Iowa. Um, evangelicals are an important voting block in Iowa. There are a lot of evangelicals here. They tend to be um, a really important constituency for Republicans in particular. Um, so Bob Vander Plaats, he has a lot of sway among evangelicals and he has endorsed, I believe the winners of the past three Republican caucus cycles. So he has a bit of a track record to uphold here. Um, he's endorsed DeSantis um, and the DeSantis campaign is hoping that that helps them among evangelicals. And again, it's just helping build some um, credibility and support. But the Trump campaign has really brushed it off. Um, one of the uh, political action committees associated with Trump put out polling that said, Iowans don't know who Vander Plaats is, and most of them don't care. Um, so again, it's the sort of thing where these endorsements, it's hard to see immediately how it's changing the minds of individual Iowans. Um, but as we're out there talking to people, you know, we're asking them what they think. And ultimately, we, we will find out who they caucus for. But. DeSantis has definitely been racking up the endorsements in a way that Trump has not been here in Iowa.
3: Describe the evangelical vote in Iowa. How big is it? Has it changed over the years?
2: Yeah, it's it's incredibly significant. Um, and we've seen it really boost people in previous cycles, Um As for whether it's changed, I think something that the party has been uh, trying to reconcile with is the evangelical support for Donald Trump. Um, You know, historically and, and continuing to now, many evangelicals do support Trump, even though some of his stances seem a bit at odds with what we would generally consider evangelicals to be most interested in. Something that's been playing out here that I think is quite interesting is discussions of abortion bans at a federal and state level. You know, Governor Kim Reynolds here in Iowa, uh, she has uh, pushed for a, what would essentially be a six-week abortion ban. Governor DeSantis signed a six-week abortion ban. The two of them have talked about their support of, of a law like that, whereas Donald Trump says a six-week abortion ban is a terrible idea. Um, but despite that, mm, despite that despite that conflict, that tension, on issues like abortion that we think of as big evangelical issues. A lot of evangelicals are still really loyal to Trump. So um, it's, it's the Trump effect. I mean, you can't say it enough times. It's unprecedented and it's hard to really predict how Trump's policies and how his words will sway people in his favor or against him.
3: And in these final weeks, how is the campaign of Nikki Haley responding to these endorsements and these polls? And is there a path for her in Iowa?
2: Yeah, so Nikki Haley has been really interesting here. Um, We saw in the October Iowa poll, she actually was she gained some significant momentum uh, in tying for second place with Ron DeSantis. She has been in Iowa less frequently. She's been focusing most of her time um, on New Hampshire. Um, but that being said, there's some momentum for her here. People seem more interested in her. She's had some standout debate performances. Um, so the question is really if if she can continue to build that in Iowa and what her Iowa ground game looks like. I mean, beyond just candidate visits, there's a lot that goes into Iowa campaigning in terms of who your staff is, the, how many doors you're knocking, how many people you have commit to caucus for you. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see. I mean, she's not doing the traditional Iowa campaigning the way DeSantis is, but people seem to really be picking up on her message regardless. So she might have a path here, um, and it, it will be interesting to follow.
3: And you can follow Katie Aiken's reporting if you go to the Des Moines Register's website. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Here's some of former President Donald Trump's recent visit to Whiskey River, a sports bar in Ankeny, Iowa. He first greeted voters and then delivered remarks, including criticism of Iowa's Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, who spent the same day with his rival Governor Ron DeSantis.
4: Well, you know, with your governor, we've had an att- I got along with her very well. Now I got along with her very well. I mean, you know, I helped her a lot because I took, as you know, a great governor, Terry Branstad, and I made him uh, the ambassador to China. He told me an amazing story, and that's why, you know, long before I was coming, I was in Iowa, making a speech, and he said, could you ease up in China a little bit? I said, why? He said, because I'm very friendly with the President of China. I said, how would you know the President of China? He said, when I was selling corn, he was the buyer. He was representing, and he came home like 40 years ago. He told me this story, it was amazing. And I remembered, and I said, how would you like to be ambassador to China, right? But I said, uh, I said, Terry, let me ask you, why would you know him? He said, because We got to be friendly. He was a buyer of corn and, you know, Terry was a very successful seller for the state. And uh, I remember the story and it was pretty amazing. And he said to me that uh, he went back home and he told his wife, he said, I met the most capable person. And I believe he's going to be a president of China someday. That was 40 years before. And uh, lo and behold, so when I became president, I took him out. I said you just set the record. You are know, the longest-serving governor in the history of the country, not just of the state, but of all states, 24 years or something like that. I said, you've broken the record. How about doing the following? Why don't you become ambassador to China? You'll be friendly with President Xi. That makes sense to me and all that. And he did. He did a very good job. But because of that, Kim Reynolds was the lieutenant governor. She became governor, and that was fine with me. Then she was An election was coming up, and generally speaking, when people get put into a position like that, they lose in politics for whatever reason. It's like if you look back at the history books, when a governor appoints himself senator, which happens, they very rarely win. I think they almost never win because people don't like that. But she was, uh, now she was the governor and doing nicely. She was doing fine, you know. It was uh, not not that difficult. This state is not that difficult. And it's a great state with great people. But she became the uh, governor, and then she called me. She had a big problem. She was running against a very wealthy man, I believe a farmer. Handsome man, they said. Handsome, good-looking, wealthy, had everything. Uh, Democrat, and he was way up in the polls, and he was going to win. And I came in, I did a big rally, I did a big endorsement of her. I fought like hell, and she ended up winning, right? And then the second time was much easier. But uh, I also kept you in the position of first. You were first in the nation, which I didn't have to do. So I did all these things. And then I spoke to Kim uh, about you know, four or five months ago, whatever. And uh, she said, I'd like to remain neutral. I said, you'd like to? I'd like to remain neutral, too. I didn't have to come here and do rallies for you. And she said, what do you mean? Well, because we're first in the nation, I'd like to remain neutral. I said, I'm the one that kept you first in the nation. She said, well, it's, you know, because of that though, I'd like to remain neutral. I'd like to be able to go and really uh, politic and work with all of the candidates. I said, all of the candidates are running against me. That doesn't sound like so good. And it wasn't a quid pro quo, as they used to say in impeachment hoax number one, which there were none, except with them. They had the quid pro quo. They're the ones that cheated. We didn't cheat at all. But you know, she said, "Uh, I think I'd like to be able to campaign with everybody. I said, so you're actually telling me that you want to be able to campaign with everybody because you're first in the nation. I'm the one that made you first in the nation. And I would have done it anyway, but I would have done it anyway. And I said, all right, that's a very shocking thing. But you don't have to have it. I wouldn't. You know, I mean, she's not here. I wouldn't have her here. So uh, that's the way it is. So then she goes and she goes. And I read where she's going to support Rhonda Sanctimonious, who's who's like 50 points. Who in the nation is like 50 points down and very substantially down here. And people have found out he's got no personality, et etc. Et and, you know, when I, after all the things I did, then he said, essentially, he said, I have no comment. Are you going to run against the president? He said, I have no comment. When he says he has no comment, that means he's running. So I said, I said, if you're running, oh, he's running. And my people, these geniuses all over the room, they said, sir you shouldn't hit him, he's a Republican. I said, I don't care if he's a Republican. And we hit him rather hard, and he went down. He went down like all the others. So he went down, and it was one of those things. But she said she's going to endorse him because he worked very hard. Now, how do you endorse somebody that's 40 or 50 points down? There's gotta be something there. So I'm not, now I, I can only tell you this, and, and I have nothing, I mean, that was her choice to do this, but I believe in loyalty. Uh, yes. Yes. I didn't say, I'm going to do this. I don't care if she endorses me or not. It's not going to make any difference, because the only endorsement that matters is a Trump endorsement. I hate to say it. But but, when somebody does that, uh, that's a lack of loyalty. And my people all told me, sir, don't bring up a story like that, because I'm just doing this now, because you're sort of, we're all working for the same thing. We want to win this election. We're going to take back our country. But they said, sir, people don't care about loyalty. I said, I think they do.
0: ABC News also reported the Trump campaign debuted a new ad featuring video of Governor Kim Reynolds offering praise for the Trump administration in previous appearances with the former president. Let's watch.
5: On behalf of all Iowans, I want to say thank you. Thank you for cutting taxes
1: for hard-working
5: Iowans for eliminating senseless regulations that stifled innovation and jobs. What I love about this president and this administration is it is an administration of action and outcomes. And the list is long. Lower taxes, lower unemployment, safer borders. partner in the White House with President Donald Trump. A leader, a fighter, a president who puts America and
3: Americans first.
4: I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
0: Next, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in Newton, Iowa, completing his tour of all 99 counties and recounting his time on the road in the Hawkeye State.
6: So we covered a lot of ground. We had a lot of good experiences. But talking with folks, seeing firsthand uh, what people are dealing with, we got to see the resilience of farmers who have to deal with Mother Nature but also have to deal with an overbearing government and not just the federal government. you got to deal with, like, what California is doing that could affect things that are going on in Iowa and present challenges. We had a little tussle with California the other night, by the way, and I think we were... We were able to talk with folks about the struggles that families are going through to be able to make ends meet, to be able to get ahead, to be able to afford a home, a car, groceries, the challenges that are being done with our school systems. And I know your governor and the legislature have worked hard on that, but we saw that day after day when we were traveling Iowa. I ran into an Iowa family, actually, when we were at the state fair, who's um, uh, one of their children uh, is a special Olympian and was actually going to be excluded from the Special Olympics, which was hosted in Florida a couple years ago because he didn't take the mRNA COVID shot. Well, we don't have uh, discrimination in Florida on that. We protected people. So we were able to tell the Special Olympics, you let all the athletes compete. And we were able to get an Iowa Special Olympian to be able to compete. And I ran into the family. We've been able to talk to many veterans who are experiencing a variety of challenges, particularly mental health, and we've also been to a number of organizations in Iowa who are working to help those. Uh, And of course, we saw, visited so many small businesses, and it should remind us that the future of this country and whether our economy's gonna be successful runs through small businesses, not the big corporations. It runs through the small businesses of this country. So the question is though, is okay, you do that, you meet people, you rustle up some votes, uh, but is it just all about politics? And I don't think doing the 99 calories is just about the caucus. Like yes, obviously we're gonna use that to, to win the caucus, uh, but I think it has significance beyond there. One, by the fact that I'm willing to do this, that should show you that I consider myself a servant, not a ruler. And that's how people that get elected should consider themselves. You're not any better than the people that you, that you uh, are elected by. Uh, you come from the people, and you're supposed to serve their interests, and you don't put yourself above uh, and try to govern for your own self-interest. The other thing you see when you're, and it doesn't matter what part uh, of Iowa you're in, and I've seen this uh, in all the other parts of the country as well, I don't know that we've ever had a bigger gap, between what we see out of the elites in New York and DC and in the media and in politics, than the rest of the American people. Uh, these guys just don't care about you. Uh, they are not governing with your best interests at heart. They have their own agenda and they are pursuing that agenda. That is why they would leave Americans stranded in Israel and a governor of Florida has to send planes to rescue people back, which we did, which is fine. But then when they start moving people out, they dump them in Greece and then they send them a bill for the services. Meanwhile, that same government and those same elites will let foreigners come into this country illegally and they'll fly them anywhere they want free of charge. They'll put them in hotels free of charge. So they put American people last and they put their own interests first. This reminds us that the only way we're going to turn this country around is if we're governing in the best interest of the people. Uh, we need to fire the elites that are in D.C. Uh, and we need to return this government to its rightful owners. <laughs> the other thing I think it shows is that support for any candidate for any office needs to be earned. Nobody is entitled to support. Uh, you have the right to support who you want and you should support the candidate uh, that has earned your trust and earned your support uh, throughout this campaign. And we've done that with this, this Grassley, and we're going to continue to do it all the way through January 15th. But I'll tell you, there's so much to be concerned about in this country. It seems like anytime you turn on the TV, you just want to pull your hair out because of all the nonsense that's happening. It seems like things are snowballing and continue to get worse. Uh, but I come away with doing the 99-county tour optimistic. I'm optimistic about this country's future because what I saw here in Iowa were people that are patriotic, that are hard-working, that are God-fearing, that really represent the backbone of what this country is all about and will be really the driving force to turn this country around. We have the ingredients that we need in this country uh, to fix these problems. It can be done. It's just a question of will. It's a question of choice, and it's a question if we're going to rise to the occasion uh, and get the job done. And I'm confident after going through these 99 counties, uh, Iowa will begin the revival of the United States of America. Now, one of the things that people had... uh, liked when I would, would, would talk about different things. And we've answered questions all over the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the state. Uh, we've given speeches, we've done all that. Uh, one of the things that I think people appreciated is uh, we're gonna be laser focused on returning the government to we the people, to getting the government back under the Constitution as the Founding Fathers envisioned. And part of that means we have to take power out of Washington DC and send it to other parts of the country. Uh, To the people, to the states, respectively. And one of the things I would talk about and people liked is I'm going to order all of our cabinet secretaries to reduce their agency's footprint in Washington, D.C. by at least 50%. And some of that may mean just taking the agency and moving it elsewhere, maybe parts of the agency. And so uh, I've asked along the way, like, okay... You know, if I send something to Iowa, what, what do you guys want? And a number of people said that they don't like USDA Washington bureaucrats interfering with how people are farming, and they would much rather have this agency be run with people from their own communities. And so I can say as part of our effort to take power out of Washington, D.C., move agencies in other parts of the country, uh, we will answer the call and and what people have suggested here in Iowa. uh, You guys will have first dibs on the Department of Agriculture. We'll send it to Iowa and you guys take care of it. So we were, um, we were at in, in Georgia the other night doing a little debate with, um, with a fella that, that may, may think about some of these things a little bit different than you and me. But and some people say, well, you know, why are you debating him? He's not running for president. First of all, he is running. He just won't admit it. But, but second of all, uh, look, if I have 90 minutes on national television to articulate conservative principles to show how freedom works, and to articulate a path forward for this country, I'm gonna take that opportunity. And I'll tell you this. And I'll tell you this, we've had a number of debates and there's been other things, uh, but the fact of the matter is, and Sean Hannity deserves credit for this, that was the most substantive debate that this country has had this entire political season. Because you saw the stakes. And so I wanted to take that opportunity, and I think it was good. And then it is just the fact that as Republicans, as we choose our candidate, we cannot assume that they are actually going to run Biden. A lot of Democrats, higher-ups, I think Obama, I think Bill Clinton, I think all these guys, the power brokers, I think they want Biden out, okay? Because they see he's not up to the job. And I think that there is going to be a movement, and it's tricky how they do it, But somebody like a Newsom who would be waiting in the wings, you know, maybe he's not considered such a good option after that debate, but who knows. But it's we got to be prepared with whatever they throw at us. And I wanted to show you as Republicans uh, that I can stand on that stage, not just with an 82 year old president past his prime, but their most coveted rising star who's in the prime. And is known as this great debater, and so we showed that you put me on that stage next fall, um, and I'm going to be the do, be able to do the job against all comers on the Democratic Party. They can bring whoever they want. Right
2: here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> <is kind> of... <laughs> put
7: the blizzard. Right.
3: That... Yeah. Well, oh. Yes. Oh do right. yes. you yes. all right. yeah,
6: any yet? It's
2: Hold it up. Take a bite, buddy. Okay, you can we say bite? here's to the Bull
5: Grassley? Yes. Bull
4: Grassley! Yeah. to the Grassley! <laughs> 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 Alright.
6: <laughs> <A> good time. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, thank you. Alright, right. thanks
4: so much. Alrighty. You like
6: that, dear? Can I do
0: Next, a portion of our Washington Journal interview with New York Times national political reporter Jasmine Uyoa. She talked about Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley's recent rise in GOP primary polls.
5: Ron DeSantis has has been slipping in the polls. Um, they, he 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 was once the, the the favored candidate, the anti-Trump al- alternative um, of the of this of this money class. But since uh, President Mike Pence, former Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Tim Scott have dropped out in South Carolina, she's really stepped up to consolidate that 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 vote that. That 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 donor the donor class you're seeing a lot of donors that used to back Tim Scott or DeSantis s- several of them either warm up to her or say we're we're going to support Nikki Haley DeSantis has had a lot of a, a, a rocky uh, you know ups, ups and downs this this entire campaign and you, even in the last week you know you've seen departures from his allied super PAC and so that's caused a some some consternation among donors when. You have Nikki Haley on the other side, who's been slowly and steadily climbing uh, ahead. They're, they're they're starting to now really see her as the alternative going into January.
7: And you've traveled with and attended many uh, Haley events uh, over the course of this campaign, even just so far. What are you seeing from her as this at least polling momentum uh, has started to appear? And what's the most inter- interesting interaction you've seen between her, and a voter on the, the campaign trail?
5: So I've seen her really, sh- and especially in the last few weeks, I've really seen her sharpen her electability argument saying, you know, this isn't just about the presidency. This is about governors, you know, about governors, races, house races, Senate races. I've seen her, you know, throughout the whole campaign, she's been very careful about calibrating her message on, on Donald Trump. She's Hitting him a little bit harder now and really drawing out those stark contrasts, um, especially when it comes to to foreign policy. She's also been very good about spreading her message on abortion. And that's something that I hear from from voters a lot. Those those are the the two the two things that I hear from from voters a lot is that she's got the foreign policy credentials for this for this particularly turbulent turbulent moment in American politics. And that that she's the only candidate in the race who can really neutralize the abortion ar- argument for, for Democrats. And I've seen so many um, interesting interactions with her on the trail. That's one of the things that she is able to do very well is, is connect with people on the trail. I mean, just recently there was a young nine-year-old asking her, um, you know, she was wearing a, a Nikki Haley hat, and they had an interesting little back and forth at one of her rallies. She she said something like, um, I like your hat, and the little girl, a punchy little nine-year-old, responded. Only well, one of your guys gave it to me, and she, she, she was quick on her feet and said, "You know, let me know who it is because uh, I, we don't give things for free." But then later on, that little girl came back to another one of her rallies and asked her, uh, "You know, what, why she's running for president, or why she, why she, why she should vote for her over someone like DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy, who she had since had the chance of of seeing, watching perform." Um, and, and again, she she didn't skip a beat. She listed her executive experience, her foreign policy credentials, and her, and her concern for the country. Um, whether that message breaks through in a race that's been all but dominated by Donald Trump remains to be seen.
0: And now, a look back at ads from the 1988 Democratic presidential primary. 36 years ago, The Washington Post and ABC News released the results of this national poll of Democratic voters showing Gary Hart in the lead with 30%, ahead of other contenders including Jesse Jackson, Paul Simon, Al Gore, and the eventual primary winner, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis. Next, three ads from the Gore, Jackson, and Dukakis campaigns about those candidates championing economic opportunity for
1: families.
8: He's not like all the rest. This is Al Gore, senator from Tennessee. Different because he's strong enough to rebuild our economy. Because he's the only one who understands that peace requires negotiating from strength. Because of his integrity, father of four, Vietnam veteran, 12 years in the House and Senate, fighting for change, no one else comes close. The one Democrat who can win, Al Gore for president.
4: I was facing foreclosure and got a hold of Jesse and we got a telegram to our local banker. He offered to come, sit down at a mediation table, and try to work this thing out between myself and my bankers. And we wound up going through some reorganization, giving some things back, but we still got every acre, and we're going to farm. And we're going to continue to farm. But we couldn't have done it without Jesse, and we needed. His fellow
8: governors voted him the most effective governor in America. The son of Greek immigrants, he served his country in Korea. And inspired by John Kennedy, he chose public
4: service. In nine years as governor of Massachusetts, he wiped out huge budget deficits, cut taxes, fought corruption, helped 40,000 welfare mothers find jobs, and led an economic turnaround they call a miracle. Mike Dukakis, a president for the 90s.
0: Similar messages are being conveyed by this cycle's Democratic candidates as well. Right now, President Biden is well ahead in his bid for the Democratic presidential nomination, according to the latest poll from The Messenger and Harris X. Next, two ads, one from President Biden's reelection campaign and another from challenger Dean Phillips, both hitting on themes of experience, leadership, and working for the middle class.
4: Every action, every policy for Joe Biden is about who? And since he's taken office, unemployment in our community has been cut in half. Our businesses are the fastest growing in the country, driving our nation's economic recovery. And for our families, the price of insulin, $35. Because the who President Joe Biden is fighting for isn't the rich and powerful. It's us.
9: I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message.
7: I, well, is that a warm South Carolina welcome? <laughs> I feel compelled to make something abundantly clear to all of you, and that is I do not seek the presidency in opposition to President Biden. I run because we are in crisis. Hardworking people are facing economic ruin, financial hardship and fear. The world is in crisis. We have wars raging from Europe to the Middle East, and Americans standing in the world is under threat. And that's why I believe, simply, that it's time for yesterday's leaders to pass that torch to a new generation of Democrats of the future. I want to help you. I want to help Democrats win in South Carolina. I want to help Democrats win in every darn state in this country where we're losing right now, including yours. Because I know how to do it. There's a reason Minnesota is the only blue state surrounded by red ones. We actually get it. We know how to talk to the people right now that Trump is attracted because they are so angry. We don't beat them with more anger. We don't beat them with more anger. So I'm just going to close with a, one of my favorite lines from Congresswoman Barbara Jordan, a woman who I know we all admire. And what she said is, what the people want is so, so simple. They want an America just as good as its promise. I make that promise to you, my friends. Let's build that America together. And South Carolina, let me tell you, I love you all. Thanks, everyone.
0: Next, we're in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's where Representative Hakeem Jeffries, the House Minority Leader from New York, was the keynote speaker at the New Hampshire Democratic Party's annual Eleanor Roosevelt fundraiser dinner. Congressman Jeffries told those in attendance why the president needed their support in the upcoming presidential election. President Biden isn't on the primary ballot in New Hampshire, though, since officials there didn't comply with new party delegate selection rules, stripping the granite state's longtime first-in-the-nation primary status For the Democratic ticket. The Messenger also reported that Congressman Jeffries left a good impression on those New Hampshire Democrats. Many told reporters they hoped he would run for president in 2028.
10: And so I'm not going to be before you long, but just wanted to make a few observations about this moment that we face, the importance of this state, the challenges that are in front of us, and the power of American resilience. Let me first say that I'm proud to support President Joe Biden in his re-election. And I know, I know that there's an important primary next month, and I bought a pen just in case anyone needs. One, but President Joe Biden has done an incredibly good job under very difficult circumstances. And we'll see who emerges on the other side of the aisle. It looks like it may be the former president and we've got to do everything possible to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't come anywhere near 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue ever again ever again, ever again. President Joe Biden has an incredible track record of success. Under President Joe Biden, wages are up, inflation is coming down, and more than 14 million private sector jobs have been created. Under President Joe Biden, stock market is up, gas prices are coming down, and more small businesses have been created in the last two years than in any two-year period in modern American history. And under President Joe Biden, Democrats have been able to deliver one of the most effective and productive legislative sessions in American history. We passed the American Rescue Plan, put shots in arms, money in pockets, and kids back in school. We saved the economy from a deep recession and allowed the American economy to emerge as the strongest in the world. We passed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which will create millions of good-paying jobs fixing our crumbling bridges, roads, tunnels, our airports, our sewer and water systems, our mass transportation systems, high-speed internet access, and clean water in every single community. We passed gun safety legislation for the first time in 30 years that will save lives and laid a foundation for us to do more to combat the gun violence epidemic. We stood up for our veterans who were suffering from exposure to toxic substances or Agent Orange or burn pits. And now as a result of the PACT Act, millions of veterans will be able to get the health care that they deserve to live a life of decency and respect. We passed the Chips and Science Act under the leadership of President Biden, to bring domestic manufacturing jobs back home to New Hampshire and to the United States of America. And we topped off this string of incredible legislative success. And these are just the highlights. By passing the Inflation Reduction Act, striking a dramatic blow against the climate crisis, Setting our planet on a sustainable trajectory forward. Lowering energy costs. Standing up a clean energy economy. The largest investment in combating the climate crisis in the history of the world. And we're going to do more to finish the job. And as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, we strengthened the affordable Care Act, we're lowering health care costs, driving down the high price of life-saving prescription drugs, including taking the price of insulin, which in 2022 cost the average American family about $4,000 a year, and we dropped it for millions of Americans because of the Inflation Reduction Act to $35 a month. The D in Democrat stands for deliver stands for deliver. Now, Teddy Roosevelt had the square deal, FDR had the new deal, Truman had the fair deal. What President Biden, Democrats, all of us have accomplished in the last few years, is a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, Joe Biden says it a different way. I left out a word, y'all, but it's a big deal. Because we run to win, we win to govern, but we govern to get big things done and make life better for everyday Americans. And under the leadership of Joe Biden, Annie Custer, Chris Pappas, Senator Shaheen, Democrats are just getting started. Just getting started, and we're going to work hard to finish the job. The Democratic Party will continue to put people over politics. Uh, The Democratic Party will continue to fight for lower costs, better paying jobs, safer communities, to grow the middle class, and to build an economy from the middle out and the bottom up. The Democratic Party will continue to protect Social Security, protect Medicare, protect Medicaid, protect the Affordable Care Act, protect our children, protect our climate, protect working families, protect the middle class, protect our veterans, protect our seniors, protect our democracy, protect the right to vote, and always protect a woman's freedom to make her own reproductive health care decisions, because the, the Democratic Party will always stand for what is right. The Democratic Party is about freedom. The Democratic Party is about justice. The Democratic Party is about opportunity. The Democratic Party is just getting started.
0: Next, we're in Omaha, Nebraska. That's where author, activist, and independent presidential candidate Cornell West spoke to a crowd hosted by the Black Agenda Alliance. Afterward, he met and took pictures with many of those in attendance.
11: Being willing to see when to move, when to get your timing right, when to pull back on your solo to allow somebody else's solo. Let Mary Ann, Mary Lou Williams play that piano. She's the head of the orchestra, but she pulls back when the saxophonist steps in or when the flutist steps in. Why? Because they're lifting every voice to enhance the quality of the collective performance. That's democracy and symbolic action. It's a form of practical wisdom. It's not just a technical skill that jazz musicians have. Black people at our best have honed out practical wisdom so we can be tricksters when it's time to be tricksters. We can have strong, strong stands when it's time to be take a stand. We can love our children when it looks like they're making a a bad turn. But never give up on them. Even if sometimes you wonder what's going on. (laughs) Improvisation, which means what? calling into question any form of narrow dogmatism. You see, what the great Alfred North Whitehead called the fallacy of dogmatic finality. Nobody has any right or privilege to think that somehow they've got a monopoly on the fundamental nature of what's going on. There's unpredictable elements. And we have to learn from each other. The benchmark of improvisation, the benchmark of the tradition that produced me spilling over into presidential politics is catastrophe, is swing, is improvisation, tied to both a humility but also a tenacity. So when I'm on television, they say, Well, oh, what, what are your priorities? Well, just look at what Martin said. He wanted to abolish poverty. That's me. He wanted to abolish homelessness. That's me. He wanted to get civic control over corporate power. That's me. Anything that will enhance the plight of poor and working people, not just in the United States, but around the world, but starting in the United States, and yes, it's true, I will start on the black side. That's why I'm for reparations. People ask, oh, Brother West, how come you for reparations? Look like you 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 leaning too much towards those black folk. No. Truth and justice. Reparations for the indigenous people. Wow. Reparations for the Japanese. This is truth and justice. And anytime time there's been that level of violation, people ought to respond with certain kind of repair. That's, right. yeah. That's what we're talking about. That doesn't mean black folk have less personal responsibility. It doesn't mean that black folk ought not to be disciplined and defer gratification, be able to follow through on what they say and what they're going to do. Of course. Of course. But when it comes to any serious talk about the operations of power, that's what politics is about. It's never solely about power. It's got to have some element of morality and spirituality in it. That's what this campaign, this movement is all about. And People have asked me, I say, Brother West, what's one of the first things you're going to do when you win? And I told my precious wife. I say, we're not going to the White House until everybody has a house and a home in America. Oh, that's, that, that's where I come from. That's my tradition. You see? And they'll come back to say, yeah, Brother West, that's precisely why you have the chance of a snowball in hell to win. <laughs> and I'll say, we shall see. You just don't know. Biden might run out of gas and do an LVJ moment and say, I'm resigning, I'm overwhelmed, my party has now reached the conclusion they don't want to support me. Trump may be on his way to jail, RFKJR, I don't know where he'd be, he'd be on the mothership, put him on the mothership with Sun Ra and George Clinton and Bootsy in them. <laughs> love you, love you, RFKJR, we'd love you to be on the mothership, brother. Well, who's left? Oh my God. They got this radical, revolutionary Christian brother trying to tell the truth, standing up for oppressed people around the world, knowing he's got faults and foibles, but willing to live and willing to die for something bigger than him, something grander than him. That's what this movement, that's what this campaign is all about. Thank you all so very much. Stay strong in what you're doing.
7: Can we get a photo with your yeah. grandfather as well? This your grandfather too? Grandfather. Oh,
11: what a blessing. Yeah. Oh, I know you proud of this brother. Yeah. He's a lover yeah. of wisdom. He's a philosopher. I know. Oh, yes. Here we go. You got it though, brother?
4: Yeah, we ready. Oh, Slash Stone says it's a family affair. We got granddaddy and the grandson. Yeah,
11: I got
7: to say, absolutely. I was introduced to you on your online course on Du Bois. Oh,
11: the one at Dartmouth. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Oh, I saw that in high school. That was my first introduction. In to high you. school, you saw In that. high school. Well, you're
11: very precocious, man. You're <laughs> doing different. three-year graduate. Ah, three-year graduate. But brother, you stay strong. Let me give you my uh, my information so yeah. we can stay in contact. Okay. Because you don't run into philosophers every day, you know what I mean? You West. Good to My see name you. is
3: Elba. I met you uh, in San Francisco for in one Francisco. of the As- yes for one of the Asansh, uh, movements for, for Julian Assange movements.
6: Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Mr. Shipton
3: and, and Gabriel was there. I
11: remember yes. that.
3: Yes, absolutely. I've about you. Thank you for coming to me Nebraska. Oh, all right,
11: well, we just take a picture right yeah. quick. Just sit down and Thank you press press so on. much. Yeah.
3: Thank, thank you for coming. But God bless we'll you. God you bless stay you. strong now. Yes, thank
11: you. The poet, the poet. Lord have mercy. <laughs> you got all that Gil Scott hand in you. Yeah, man. You got some Gwendolyn Brooks and Haki Boutte, yeah, all <laughs> of them are in you, brother, no. but you're doing your own thing. Thank you, thank you. No, and thank you're based in Omaha, huh? Yeah, yeah, for wow, sure. Wow, wow. So keep, keep doing what you're doing, man. you out here doing the good work. Wow, but no, you out here doing good about work, man. Baraka. Oh, the greater Mary Baraka himself. <laughs> he's, he's almost in a league of his own. But you know Sterling Brown? He's one of the giants. He was the teacher of Tony Morrison, the teacher of Mary Baraka. Okay. But he, was, he taught at Howard for 45 years, and he was the one who was bringing, he wrote a, a collection of poems called Southern Road. Okay. It was the first poetic blues, mm, even nice. before Langston oh, Okay. okay. So see yeah, what I'm I, I mean? So yeah. Sterling Brown, yeah. right. the giant, Okay. he was a giant, abs- but see what you're doing is even, it, well, well, you, you read Sterling and you see, because that's 1931, <laughs> yeah. this is 2023, so you're in the great tradition. But you're doing it in a deep way, man. <laughs> Let's take a picture, right quick, though, man. Right absolutely, right. absolutely. Which, Which way? Either way. I oh, got two of my brothers here. Love his brother.
12: I'm, I'm a farmer. I'm a beekeeper myself. Oh, I love that, though, yeah, so, brother. Grow food in the community. So.
11: You know, That's brother. Michael Stowall or Lawrence Lucas who leading the Black Farmers Movement. Uh-uh. I don't oh, know. Well, you, you checked him out, though. Lawrence Lucas. Lawrence L-U-C-A-S. L-U-C-A-S. Okay. But They're leading the move with Black Farmers, because Black Farmers have been treated unjustly and unfairly.
12: For hundreds of years now. For sure.
11: Even with the Department of Agriculture today, what they got to the be but right. they won't.
12: Right. They won't give us no money. That's what I'm talking about. Or land.
11: Or land. But you you checked them out. I because sure will. Because, you know, my, my, my great-grandfather was a great man, and he was a black farmer. Yeah, we all black farmers. And so I we don't exist bring it without out. him, because I got the black farmer all up in me. Right, right. We got to manifest it. So. Now, how far you live outside of Omaha? I
12: live right in the city. I do bees right in the inner city. You do it right? Yeah, really? right here in the inner city, yeah. I got 12 that? hives in the inner city. Man, you could be right here from there to that pole with bees, and they won't even bother you. I bring t- kids out all the time. They come visit my garden or my farm. Man, I think if and I, I none show that they, they do them a mistake. thing
11: on me. That's you. Well, they they, they, said, no, they, they, they like you.
12: Everybody got a fear because they don't know. Oh, the knowledge without the knowledge. I mean, right. without being With around the unknown, and it's not enough. It's not enough of us that's doing it right. for everybody to be able to understand that they're not really attacking people. They just, you know, they're hunting. They're fishing. You know, they got doing what work they, to do. Yeah, they got their work to do. But too. if you
11: do. Act as if you're going to attack, then they will... But well, when you go in
12: that high, that's when they attack. Because they got, going Like, if somebody come in your home, what you going to do? I got to do a self-defense. Right, you don't protect them, so... Yes, yes.
11: Let's I'll take let a picture, business. brother. Okay. Hold oh, in. we got the Sherman, best of the farmers on. here. We got the best of the farmers here. <laughs> this is for Lawrence Lucas and Michael Stowall. Your, yes. your name is... Clark. Brother Clark. All yes. the black farmers need to be treated fairly. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. yes.
0: One last highlight from this past week, the Lesser Known Candidates Forum. Hosted at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, every four years since 1972, it provides a platform for Democratic, Republican, and Independent candidates who might otherwise lack a way to reach larger numbers of voters. Here's some of the evening's best moments.
12: Mr. Supreme.
9: Remember, there are two types of people on this planet. Those that love ponies and those that will not survive the transition times. The road to Ponatopia will not be easy. Not all of us will make it. There will be hardships. There will be sacrifices, human sacrifices. But let me assure you this. The road to Ponatopia will be paved with the glitter-encrusted skulls of our vanquished enemies.
4: Got to wrap it
9: want
12: to, you want to mention the website you are from the internet
9: Vermin twenty twenty four. Mr. Risk. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Point.
8: Appreciate it.
9: Well first, thank you for
7: hosting this event This is really great. I'm glad to be here and I appreciate the opportunity and I'm so glad I got to sit between these two guys <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I got so lucky on that You party. did great <clears throat> But I make the best of it right and uh, I'm a serious candidate and I um, And and I really do think I have the leadership skills to do the job. And I just want people to listen to what I have to say. It's been really difficult getting any media traction in this country, and uh, maybe today will change that because uh, Biden is really doing abysmally. He promised to be a uniter. He's been anything but a uniter. The the mess at the border hasn't gotten any better. And it's just uh, the problems with his son just won't go away. And that's just if you want four more years of the same old thing, just vote for Biden. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get gridlock and investigations. That's what you're going to get. If you get Trump, you're going to
4: get. Mr. Russ. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Russ.
8: Appreciate that. Uh, paper boy, love prince.
7: Take one minute.
9: Can everybody say love? love? If we can do a little better. Can everybody say love? Say love. Say love. love. Say love. I'm spreading love to the community. I'm on the block. I'm spreading unity. I'm being positive. What they're going to do to me. I'm in New Hampshire. I'm spreading unity. I'm here. I'm spreading love. I'm in your hood. I'm giving out hugs. Ha, paper. Yeah. It's our time. Thank you all so much, New Hampshire. I love you so much. And I'm so excited about the future of this country. This campaign is about making a stake for the future of this country and doing things differently, really taking a hard pivot away from politics of the past and bringing us together with radical love and unity. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. I'm so, so proud to stand on love. I'm literally crying tears right now because I'm so happy to be here with you all. Can we just say it one more time? Love! love. And can you all right. just give the person next to you just a high five if you're just hey. excited for America. <laughs> <laughs>
12: I love the energy and the positivity. Thanks very much.
8: I would run the office of the president at the highest professional standards. I wouldn't hire people because they're team A or team B or they know Joe Smith's cousin. Obama's mistake, too, was he didn't pick the right team. I believe in the team like that movie Hoosiers. You've got to pick the right team. You really look historically, you guys might be better at this than me, but who was our greatest team? It was our first team. He had Washington, John Adams. Thomas Jefferson was the greatest intellectual force the United States ever had. There's nobody in this ballpark. So people, the younger generation that don't respect Thomas Jefferson, you really should go find a different country to live in. It's true. You got to run a team professionally. I have the professional experience at the top end of the horse business. I worked for the richest people in the world. He had the highest standards operating a horse that costs a million dollars is a yearling or something, there is high, there actually is, this is 100% truth, one more second, there's higher professional standards by far. You got 10 at seconds. One, at a racetrack controlling horse race's integrity than there is in any election in the United States of America.
0: A reminder, this program and all of C-SPAN's campaign 2024 coverage can be found online at cspan.org slash campaign.